you're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we're joined this week by our old friend Greg Bishop, and he's author of a new book called It Defies Language, Essays on UFOs and Other Weirdness. And by the way, the illustrations, magnificent I guess, cartoon-style illustrations by Red Pill Junkie. He should be working for DC Comics, I think. He should be working for lots of people. In fact, the thing is that um, this is the first book he's ever done and designed. He showed me some caricatures he did of Nick and I and a few other people. I said, this was like in, what, something like September of last year. And I said, do you want to try and do some illustrations for my book? I don't have anybody to do anything. And he hit it out of the park on the first try. I think he, sh- he should be probably getting uh, book designing work already. I think I think he is because of this, and he, it's well-deserved. Certainly, he needs a new profession. This is it. But he could also, you know, take a gig at DC Comics. I think he'd do well with that. Yeah, I think he would, too. Well, I think he'd do good at any comics place. He should start his own. His illustration is great. He's always saying, oh, I don't have any real good formal training. And it's like, (laughs) I don't either. But we put together a book, so who cares? And it looks beautiful. I was at the farmer's market here in LA two days ago with uh, Steve Berg, who's a fan of my show. We had the book on the table. Just it Basically, it's an outdoor place with a bunch of different stalls with restaurants in them. And people were walking by and everybody was looking at the book because the, the cover graphic is so compelling to people. I'll tell you, this is just magnificent work. We have an undiscovered talent here, and it has to be dealt with. In fact, we'll get him on the show in the near future and talk to him further about it. But right now, I wanted to cover a couple of things before we go into the book and how it started in the Genesis. And that is, you may have heard, and this is a story that's been run in the papers and in Huffington Post, that Hillary Clinton, regardless of what you think of the politics, she's promising to look into UFOs. But you and I know, because we've been around it a while, that presidential candidates make promises that seem to be seldom kept. Yeah, well, most people know it's because Podesta is on her staff and he's a big UFO um, fan. People probably know more about this than me and remember that he tried to get, uh, when he was in uh, Clinton's the first Clinton administration, that uh, he was trying to get some movement on the UFO subject. And now, I think the only reason Hillary Clinton said that is because... Jimmy Kimmel, whose show she mentioned this on, is all into the subject. And of course, yes, they knew they were going to ask that question beforehand. No, no questions are blindsided to uh, any guests. But um, I think they said, well, we'll just handle that because like, she's trying to get a coolness quotient in or something. I think she really can't, couldn't care less about the UFO subject. She referred to them as UAP, though. Yeah, I know. It's probably because Podesta told her because, you know, they think that's the hip term to use now, I guess. That's my guess, anyway. Anyway, people have all these hopes that she's going to reveal. It's like, no, no, no. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Um, And you see also she has this dodge. Well, if anything, of course, is an issue of national security, I couldn't tell you. But as long as it isn't, I'll reveal it. And, you know, even if she's pressed on the issue, they can always find a few documents to throw out there. Yeah. And it sort of feeds into my idea about disclosure of anything is that uh, the government is is uh, or anybody in the government or parts of the government do not exactly know what's going on. I think they just have more data than us. And they also now have, I think they have an idea how inconceivably complicated and, and inscrutable and 
uncontrollable the phenomenon is, and there's nothing to disclose except ignorance and fear. So why bother? I'm yeah, ignorance, right. he's fear. Are we talking about Donald Trump here? <laughs> yeah, well, no, no. I'm talking about people in the government that are uh, afraid of losing control. And if you, if you say, well, well, yeah, there's something here, and we don't know what it is, and we don't know what to do about it. You know, why bother with that? Why, why admit that to anybody? Might as well just make everybody think you know something and use it to your ends until it's expedient to not to do so anymore. That, okay, we have idea. Hillary Clinton's email server, the one that was in the basement yeah. at their home in New York State. Yeah. And they deleted thousands of messages that were considered personal before the rest were supposedly printed out and sent right. on to yeah. the State Department. So among those messages she deleted, therein lies the secret to the UFO mystery. That's your conspiracy theory for Alex Jones or Michael Savage or somebody. I guess so. Probably to my detriment, um, I'm, I really steer away from stuff like that because every single time this kind of stuff has come up before, nothing has happened. So, you know, I, I think the onus is on people that are interested in it, the public and interested, you know, professionals and scientists and all that to work on the problem, not to go to the government and say, we want to find we want to know what what you know. And if you don't tell us exactly what we expect, you're lying um, that 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 it's an ins, it's an insolvable thing. It's like the Kennedy assassination. I, I don't even know if that'll ever be solved ever. And, you know, people kind of have to be OK with that. Um, I, I tend to think that Oswald didn't do it or didn't do it alone or whatever or had nothing to do with it. But there's no way to conclusively prove any of this to a great majority of the population. And, if, you know, for the UFO thing, if you haven't seen one and you can't call one up on demand, then it really isn't relevant to your life. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, a, it's, it's gonna be a, an issue that's swept to the back for as long as it can be until it can't be ignored, which might be, you know, after our lifetimes or never. Now, I go back a long way with the Kennedy assassination, because back in the late 60s, I attended lectures by a former New York State Assemblyman by the name of Mark Lane. Yes. He wrote a book called Rush to Judgment and several others. So mm -hmm. he was really early in the Oswald didn't do it conspiracy theory. And then, of course, we have the other crazy theory that dovetails with the UFOs, which is that one of the characters in the Maury Island case, who was someone who was writing crazy letters to Ray Palmer in the days of Richard Shaver and Amazing Stories, Fred Lee Chrisman, remember him, might have been one of the hobos depicted in some of the pictures of the Kennedy assassination at Dealey Plaza. Yeah, there's a lot of mites and maybes in the Kennedy assassination and very few um, definitively. Unless you are a doctrinaire, it's just like the UFO thing. If you're completely against um, any kind of conspiracy, you can find fairly compelling evidence for people that agree with you to support that. And if you're suspicious of the government, which is basically almost everybody, and what they do and how power games are played, you can find plenty of evidence in the other direction. Um, uh, and because of the kind of person I am and how conspiratorial and still a little bit uh, weird I am, I tend to think Oswald didn't do it or he didn't act alone. One, one of those two. Um, but you know what? It, it's never going to be solved to anybody's satisfaction. And I don't even think there's any records or files that, that, that will tell us such a thing. If there were any, they were destroyed a long time ago. In fact, if I was going to do something like this, I would not write anything down. <laughs> you know? 
So there's no real way to solve it, but it makes a lot of people very suspicious. I mentioned this to John Keel when I met, met him, and he's, I don't know how the subject came up, but he said people were wondering, he said he remembers, because you know he was uh, a lot older than me at that point. I was born a month before it. Um, that that uh, he said people were talking about how strange and weird and and you know how things didn't fit together within days of the thing happening. It's not like this thing that had built over years. Uh, if you believe Keel, it's something that's been around for a long time. Nine eleven stuff started happening within days, but the communication wasn't as well, so it spread. I mean, it wasn't as good in 1963, so it didn't spread as fast. But, well, you know, Keel wrote an article once about the origins of the UFO mystery, and he took us back to the days of Ray Palmer, Richard Shaver. Chris Palmer was then involved with Kenneth Arnold, yeah. because Kenneth Arnold, he dispatched to Maury Island. Arnold co-authored a book with Palmer. And we forget yeah, this is the coming of the saucers. And we kind of forget the first part of the book was written by Palmer and was a very ordinary summary of basic UFO sightings. It was part two of the book which is, what, 100 or 120 pages, not a lot, that has all the paranoia all about Maury Island. We've got more to come about this. We have Greg Bishop, and he has a brand new book, and it's called It Defies Language, with tremendous illustrations from Red Pill Junkie. With Gene and Chris, you're in Le Podcast. I know that a lot of our listeners are interested in UFOs, the issue of giant skeletons found in America, paranormal investigations, and what the top researchers think about such topics. One online magazine has been presenting such unusual information since 1985. It is Alternate Perceptions Magazine at apmagazine.info. Use their search function to find articles on just about every topic imaginable. That's apmagazine.info. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let gravity do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the sacral wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at sacrowedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com, or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the sacral wedgie. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. 
He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia? It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at Emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at Emberlit.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Well, let's see. You won't make it as a Frenchman. Le Paracast? I can do a good Jacques Vallée impersonation. Well, no, if Jacques is listening, I think we're going to have a problem. Remember, Jacques is taller than you are. Yes, much. Uh, He's taller than everybody, I think, except for Ben Affleck. Yeah, and Red Pill. Red Pill is what, 6'5"? Yeah, he's pretty damn tall. But yeah, I think he's the only person that was about the same height as, as uh, Volet at the IUFOC, which I met you at and talked to you at about a month ago. Yeah, just how time flies. I went over to the Adventures Unlimited booth over there, the yeah. vendors booth, and there's Chris. And of course, I'd seen pictures of Red Pill, and I'd seen pictures of Greg. So I met them for the first time. In fact, if you go to the Paracast forums at forum.theparacast.com, that's the description of our 10th anniversary episode. There's the picture I took of Chris, Greg, with his famous cap, and Red Pill. Yeah, well, it's a uh, hair piece that people that get older and start losing their hair wear. And that's why, that's, that's why I wear the cap all the time, because I'm very embarrassed about having very little hair on uh, top of my head. So that, that's the secret. That's how they do it. Or movie stars who wear additional hair things. And if you notice here in the movie Batman v Superman, Henry Cavill, now take a look at him after the movie, just in private life, the hairlines are receding, folks. Yeah, mine's been receding since I was in my early twenties, so it's it's been a long it's been a long term battle. So. Right, but this is Superman. Imagine a bald Superman. Yeah, yeah, scary. But no, of course, as long as he does this, did you see the movie Batman v Superman? By the way, no, I oh. hardly ever go to movies anymore, and I probably won't go to that one. All right, there 
is an outcome related to Superman. It's a spoiler. I won't tell you what it is. But it duplicates something that happened to Superman in 1992 comic. But of course, he'll be back in the next film. I don't even know why we're talking about this. <laughs> I have a question here from Sue. Yeah. And this is kind of related to what we were getting on with conspiracies. In terms of Project Beta, Greg describes, don't know if it was in the book or a podcast somewhere, having serious paranoia for a year or so and then getting over it. Why did he become paranoid? How paranoid did he become? And how did he finally manage to get over it? Does he have any suggestions for other people who might experience similar paranoia when studying weird stuff? Greg? Yeah, I can tell you about that. There is an entire article on it in the book that I wrote specifically for the book because I couldn't find the old post at UFO Mystic where I'd written about my paranoia and what happened during that year. But unlike some people that come on shows and go, well, you're going to have to read the book for that, which always pisses me off, I'll tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> That's uh, the biggest problem here. They'll either say, well, it's in the book and you have to read the book or – as I said in the book, which kind of what you just said, but that's okay. We don't mind selling a book for you. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, as soon as I hear somebody says, say, you're going to have to read the book, it automatically makes me not want to buy the book. It's just a reaction with me. It's like, why are you being so coy? If people are interested in the subject matter and you tell them exactly what it is, they're going to be compelled to read it because they're going to think, wow, there's probably, you know, I'm sure there's going to be stuff that I forget to put in the story that I tell um, that's in the actual book. But what happened was it, sometime in the mid-90s, there was a guy who said he's, he was from Naval Intelligence and that he had quote-unquote read my file and that he wanted to use my magazine, The Excluded Middle, as a, a conduit or some way to it, release information. It sounds to me like... You were being treated like a William Moore. Yeah, a little bit. Or anybody else that says, and this came up real recently on Coast to Coast with a guy that says that he's got inside information and they're feeding him information about really what's going on with the UFO subject and all that. Yes, that happened to me. The thing is, the guy would start saying things like, you know, if somebody wants to read your email, they can do it. And this was like, you know, 1995. Um, if somebody wants to look at your computer screen remotely, they can do that. Um, if somebody wants to open your mail, very easy for them to do. They can do that. And that started happening. My mail was open, some of it. Um, now, of course, this is before we had the episode involving Apple and the FBI, where yeah. they couldn't open it. And then they hired a firm, I yes, believe, from could. Israel, yeah. Celebrite. And in 26 minutes, they opened up that older iPhone. Yes, the, the, <laughs> They didn't have to hire anybody. I, all of this is, I don't know what the dodge is here because it's a backdoor on everything. And if there isn't, it's for the right people, it's very easy to figure out. John McAfee, the, the crazy software guy that people might know of, he actually publicly announced, I could crack that thing in 20 minutes. Just give it to me. I don't okay, know Okay, so that took six minutes longer. But listen, <laughs> folks, we have a guest on my technology show, Tech Night Out Live, Dr. Timothy Summers. He is an ethical hacker. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear that because I, I think it was just a publicity stunt by the NSA just to, for, I don't know for what reason, but to make everybody think they can't do it, stupid. Of course they can get into people's phones. Well, they hey. start a dialogue here too. And it's the mm -hmm. kind of dialogue that's good oh, or yeah, bad. Yeah. It doesn't reflect well on the public, but I suspect if the majority of the public said, you know what, we need to have this information available for the authorities – that would have fueled certain kinds of laws or processes. Yeah. But it ended up 
that a slight majority said, no, we don't want that to happen. We want our security. All right, but let's go back to the paranoia. So this guy supposedly is able to look at your emails and he's making you scared. Well, he didn't say he looked at my emails, but he said it was possible to. Ah, okay. Which uh-huh. kind of hints that maybe he did? Well, the thing is, what he was trying to do is, is establish that I should be scared and that if I was scared to come to him with my concerns. Basically, he's just he's trying to drive me, you know, towards whatever. Anyway, so he he did give me some information, which I put in the magazine, but not saying this is from an inside source and it might be true. It's just like it was basically open source stuff, stuff about the CIA, stuff about um, about uh, uh, how open they wanted to be with the public, what stuff they had possibly kept from the public, things that you could probably find out on your own if you looked really carefully. But he had given some of this stuff to me. And I was, you know, very slowly putting bits and pieces of it in the magazine and and saying that's what was going. I didn't say it was coming from that guy. I would just say, look, here's this thing. And what do you think? Um, Not saying that I was special or anything like that, because even though I kind of felt like that then, um, it it wasn't. It was just somebody somewhere within the Navy, apparently, trying to release certain types of information to have a certain kind of effect or to see who reported back or whatever. I don't. At that time, I thought they were trying to release information, but now I'm just kind of like, I think it was a disinformation thing. Anyway, so as this went on, I started seeing things like people stopping in front of my house and taking pictures of the place and driving away. And my mail was opened, uh, especially from a cattle mutilation researcher and Carla Turner. Everything I got from them was either mangled or opened. Now Um, open, just like torn apart or what? Some were opened and some were torn apart. Now, that's deliberate because there are ways, this old method of steam heating the flap of an envelope to get it open and then resealing it in a way that, of course, would hide evidence. Of course, Jim Mosley used to do the paranoid method where he'd draw two straight lines, but he'd wait till the flaps of the envelope were askew. Then he'd straighten it out, seal the envelope, and you think somebody opened it. That was Jim Mosley's paranoid marks. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm also serious about doing a break now. With Gene and Chris and Greg Bishop, you're in... Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. 
This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 75 years ago, America suffered one of the worst moments in American history, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now you can remember December 7th, 1941, with the purchase of the first ever 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call one 800 490 3200 right now for the official 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve, the only company authorized to distribute these 100% solid gold coins. Remember Pearl Harbor with this limited official gold release. 1-800-490-3200 or online at usmoneyreserve.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. You know what that reminds me of, the way you did that, Greg Bishop? What? The movie Young Frankenstein. Dean Steinberg. What about, what, which in Young Frankenstein? What part? Okay. Remember One of my favorite the scene movies? where in the study, they lift the candle in this... Oh, put the candle back. And this door opens, it slides out, and then he enters... The, as they say, the entrance to the backside of the house or the, and the thing suddenly grabs him and is trying to strangle him. And he says, back. Oh, that was when the, it was a secret passageway and the whole books, the bookshelf turned. Exactly. The bookshelf turns. The thing and then it's like, he's, he's trying to block it with his body so that they could get through because it would always be closed. So he tried to block it with his body to keep it open. And all, all it did was almost crush him to death. <laughs> that other than Blazing Saddles was the best movie Mel Brooks ever did. 
And I don't know why. I don't think any other movie he ever did. Maybe The Producers was pretty good. They made a Broadway play of it. Yeah. I don't think any other movie was as good. But we're getting back to the paranoia. So people are reading your mail or at least opening it to spook you. So obviously this was an effort to make you paranoid because a lot of this could have been done and you wouldn't notice it. I guess. The other thing, which I recounted the book and I will tell you about, was a really weird thing. It was like I had this long apartment that went, you know, it was just one long hallway with like a couple bedrooms off it. Anyway, I was in my office doing work at probably 11 at night. I got up to go, you know, into the bedroom and my manager lived right upstairs from me. And I noticed when I went into my bedroom here at 11 at night, somebody upstairs was, the floors were creaky. The the guy walked, whoever it was, walked where I did into the bedroom. Yeah, so what? I came out of the bedroom and he followed me. The footsteps were above my head when I went back to my office. I said, well, coincidence. So I got up later and did more. And for like five, ten minutes, whoever was upstairs walked where I walked in the apartment. It was extremely strange and really freaked me out. They were matching your steps precisely? Yes. Well, I don't know, precisely. So whoever it was would go down the hallway when I went down the hallway, would go in the kitchen when I went in the kitchen, because it was the same, it was the same uh, floor plan upstairs. I got so scared. I went back to my computer, knowing that people could see what you had typed on your computer. The guy told me, I typed in big block letters on my computer, I know what you're doing, stop it now. And it stopped. I was so freaked out, I could not, I didn't even want to ask my, my apartment manager about it. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't on drugs, you know, and it never happened again. So I don't know what the hell happened that day. Anyway, so, you know, it, this gets worse and worse and worse and worse. I'm scared to do anything. I'm scared to answer the phone. I'm getting like, you know, those phone calls where they somebody rings the phone like a hundred times. So you pick it up and then there's nobody there. I was getting a bunch of those too, five, six, eight a day, sometimes more. After a while, I just didn't pick up the phone. But if you didn't, it would just keep ringing. It was insane. So finally, the weird thing was that I didn't make this like thing like, you know, I'm going to change my way of looking at things and I'm just going to, I got tired of being scared. So I told myself, I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. And the weird thing was when I stopped worrying about it, all that crap stopped. It was as if they were mirroring your attitude. Or my attitude caused these things, or some of these things are going on anyway, and I just never notice them if I don't have a paranoid mindset. I don't know. But the thing is, I don't know if I've said it in the book, but I I described this to Paul Krasner, the uh, yippie writer who used to publish The uh, Realist, a a kind of a personal hero of mine. And I was talking to him once, and he went through this same kind of thing when he was um, studying the Kennedy assassination in the late 60s. He went through a horrible paranoid period. He thought people were following him and tapping his phone and all that. I said, what did you do about it? And he said, I just decided to stop being paranoid. And I said, yeah. And he said, it gets old, doesn't it? And I said, yes, it does. So mindset is a really important thing that you know that you can hoodwink yourself into anything. But I, uh, getting out of that paranoid period was key for me by just saying, look, I'm tired of being paranoid. I'm going to stop it. And it took a, you know, a few months for it to, to simmer down, but it did. And ever since then, I've really not had any strangeness happened. A lot of strange things happened when I was doing the magazine because I was just getting into it, meeting a lot of people, doing a lot of strange things. So, you know, it was it was a growth period of strangeness. Now, Paul Krasner is still alive. He's yeah. 83 years old. Yeah. Oh, boy. He lives out here. He had a book out in 1993, autobiography, called Confessions of a Raving, Unconfined Nut. Which was what Richard Nixon called him, apparently. 
misadventures in the counterculture. It's amazing the guy is still at it. Yeah. I, I remember the realist, by the way. Hmm? I remember the realist. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a great magazine. I've got, I found one, I guess, at a thrift store or something once, which is a, the, the cover is, uh, has Lenny Bruce on it with an article by Lenny Bruce, which I, I got because I'm a big Lenny Bruce fan. And, and uh, Krasner and uh, Lenny Bruce were friends, apparently. I also have one of his, um, uh, I, I, I can't know if I can swear on the air, but I have one of his. Um, you can't swear on the air, so we can only do that on after the power cast. Okay, it's the F communism poster that he put out in the sometime in the '60s to piss off conservatives and liberals, and it's it's wonderful. And he signed it to me. I treasure it dearly. We need more people like him. Okay, so anyway, over time, you overcame this paranoia. And yeah. you became your normal self again. Now, this happened after you had first hooked up with Bill Moore. Uh, yes, it was uh, maybe five, six, seven years after that. And I wasn't paranoid because when I was talking to Bill and hanging out with him and hearing what he had to say, because none of this was affecting me. It was what was going on with him. And he didn't really tell me very much. The only time he really told me in detail as much as he could of what was going on is when I was working on Project Beta. Right. And of course, Eric the Red asked a question. For those who haven't read your book or might be unfamiliar with the case, could you summarize the Paul Benowitz story? What can be learned from this story that might give us greater understanding about UFOs or the government's interest in them? So let's be brief about that because we've gone to Benowitz in the past with you, but maybe a, a real two-minute Reader's Digest version. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What happened with Benowitz? Uh, he was a, a, a scientist with a um, master's degree in electrical engineering. He lived in Al Albuquerque, New Mexico. This was in the late 1970s. He thought that he saw uh, something that was UFO-like being tested at the Air Force Base next to where he lived there in, in uh, Albuquerque, Kirtland Air Force Base. So he started filming it. Um, uh, and writing up what he saw, he eventually reported this to the Air Force because the Air Force it was on the Air Force base, and he wanted to say, hey, "Did you know there's UFOs flying around your base?" Um, and they said they they got this message from him and said, uh, <laughs> "Why didn't you come down and tell us about it?" Because obviously they knew what was going on on their base, and they wanted to know who was there at three in the morning in the middle of the winter in the freezing, you know, below zero cold, watching this stuff. Um, uh, they called him. They called him into the uh, to the base. He he gave a presentation, and uh, they realized that he was actually looking at stuff that he shouldn't be looking at. Um, so they decided to uh, basically take control of his um, perceptions. And the reason they didn't ask him to just stop it is because they wanted to find out how he knew what he was, you know, how he knew what he knew, and also who he might be talking to. Anyway. Um, he was his own worst enemy. He was a kind of a paranoid to begin with, and the Air Force and the NSA and everybody else that was working on the base there trying to protect uh, secret um, projects um, decided just to basically monitor him and, and take control of his perceptions because, they one, they didn't want him anything they were doing getting out anywhere, and two, if it did get out, they wanted to know who was listening. So it was useful in that way. Eventually... Um, he got so paranoid based mostly on what he was telling them and thinking up 
Um, but in addition to being supported by various intelligence agencies that contacted him, that he ended up in a mental institution for a while. When he came out, he, he, he stopped this. Um, one of the people that he talked to while this was going on was Bill Moore, who had a deal with certain elements of the government that they were going to give him UFO information in exchange for his cooperation. Um, I don't believe Moore ever handed any disinformation to Paul uh, Benowitz except one piece of uh, uh, paper called the Aquarius document, which he told him to be careful about. Let's be careful about this announcement and get on okay. with Greg Bishop, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracat. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out what they don't want you to know. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't take on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. 
If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to selectquote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Now you can buy, for the first time ever, the 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-329-6700 right now or go online to usmoneyreserve.com. 1-800-329-6700. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. He's trying to speak like that guy who used to do the Federal Express commercials and talk real fast. I can't speak that fast. I can speak quickly about the Paracast Plus, though. And Uh, it's a way for you to listen to that second radio show we do, which is called After the Paracast. And we've had Greg on After the Paracast. And it consists of additional interviews with a guest, color commentary, just me and Chris talking about anything under the sun, and none of the above. We also offer show transcripts, an enhanced version of this show without the network, ads, more to come for a low subscription rate, monthly, annual, five years, lifetime. Go to plus, plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. Greg Bishop is here, author of It Defies Language, but it never defies language when Greg is on to explain it. We're talking a little bit of background about Paul Benowitz. You want to pick up on that, Greg? Yeah. The the upshot of all this, uh, and, and another person that was he was working with who are, who's very famous and everybody knows about now is uh, former Air Force Office of Special Investigations uh, uh, operative Richard Doty, who's very involved in the story and very involved with co- controlling Benowitz's uh, perceptions um, and directing them. Uh the uh, what what happened was what I could, was able to find out is that they were looking at he was looking at um, s- the testing of some sort of aerial platform who knows what it was it was something that seemed to move like a UFO and glowed like one but um, it was completely under the control of the Air Force so who knows what it was I don't think it was anything extraterrestrial or anything like that but you know he was he was watching it and they didn't like that um, but. Uh, the Bill Moore's part was that they he was told that if he cooperated, he would get uh, UFO information that the government had certain files and all that that nobody else got. And he did, um, some of which was probably not true and hoaxed. I don't think he hoaxed any of it, any of it himself, but uh, and some of it which was not. But the thing is, after the end of this, I asked him, I said, well, was it worth it? Did you find anything out? And he goes, no, I found nothing out. It was kind. Of, it wasn't a waste of time, but it, because it was, it was an adventure. But it, you know, he didn't get that UFO information from the government that he thought he would get. He did get a lot of stuff that was tantalizing, but nothing you could put your finger on and say, yes, the government definitely knows. And he even disavows the MJ twelve thing. You now he think he he himself think, thinks it was a fake. But Stanton Friedman doesn't. 
No, Stanton doesn't, and I don't know why not. It's probably just because he's looked into it for so long that he's either absolutely right or he's got blind spots. Um, I tend to think he has blind spots, but you know, I'm not going to argue with Stan Friedman about MJ-12. It's not worth it. We don't want to bring it up again. But if we're going to argue about something since we have Stanton Friedman and William Moore in the picture, Roswell. Is it possible William Moore kind of put us in some wrong directions in the early days of Roswell? Remember, of course, he wrote the book with Charles Berlitz in which Stanton Friedman supposedly did a lot more than he was credited for. Uh, yes, he did a lot of the research. He first talked to Jesse Marcel at a radio station, I believe, in Louisiana, and that's how the story came out. Uh, he told Moore about it. He was working with Moore at the time. He gave some of his, uh, did some research, and then Moore actually, I'm not sure if St- Friedman did this, but Moore actually went to Roswell in 1977 or 78 and talked to all these people. Um, and got the the very first stories that had come out since well since the thing had happened in 1947, and um, what people said at the time was a lot less detailed than what subsequent researchers and books have found out. Now I don't know if that's because they got better information that people were more inclined to say things or that they were led in a certain way. I have no idea. That's I the thing think- I worry about Roswell. Yeah. Once the stories are out there. And people are trying to remember things that happened 30, 40 years earlier, whatever. Of course, we're talking about 1947 compared to 1977. Yeah. 30 years of memories colored by that book and by subsequent magazine articles. And there wasn't much popular conversation about Roswell after the original event. But that book fuels so much how much of the remembrances of Roswell how much of them were distorted by that book and others? I think quite a lot. And in the final analysis of the whole thing, and I can't even remember why this is my opinion, because over many years I've heard many things, that it has not been solved. It's kind of like the Kennedy assassination. It's not been solved. It probably never will be. And we're probably just going to have to live with that. Which is fine because it's it's you know it's uh, created a lot of controversy. It's created some good literature, and people have written some in- interesting things about it. And something definitely went on, which was very important to the military at the time. Whether that's extraterrestrials or not, I'm not exactly sure, but it was certainly very important. And if it was extraterrestrials, and you know there were some dead bodies or whatever that 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 have been found by subsequent re- researchers or stories about them, then. That's never going to be admitted either. It just isn't until there's some compelling reason to do so. People complaining about it and saying release the files is not a compelling reason to do so. And you wonder here, even if they recovered alien technology, how much of that technology could they decode? Now, take my common example, and we mentioned it in this week's version of the Tech Night Out Live, where we were talking with a guy named John Martellaro, who's a guy who used to work at Apple, by the way, in their science and business division. And the thing is here, you take today's iPhone. He calls the iPhone like almost like magic. And now go back to 1947. Now imagine the iPhone technology enhanced by another 100 or 200 or 500 years of technology. Okay? Now imagine, even with the iPhone in 1947, what could they do with it? Now imagine even more if it was 1907 with an iPhone. What could they do with it? An iPad, for example. So we have this spaceship 
from a civilization that may be hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us. How do we get past that technology? I mean, I even look at the movie Independence Day where they have Area 51 supposedly has an alien body in a spaceship and someone asks a question. You've had this thing since the 1950s. Of course, we're talking about the 40s, but this is a movie. Yeah. And you haven't figured out what's going on. And then, of course, the scientist played by the actor who played Data on Star Trek Next Generation, he says, well, we know tons, but we can't get past their technology. But that's the point. The point is here, if you have that advanced technology, what would you do with it? Would you invent night vision goggles and hand it off to Colonel Philip Corso? No. Well, I think I've got this idea, and it's just me that people have this idea that aliens would be advanced so many years ahead of us. And they're assuming our time frame and our point of view and our technology and what would happen. I think if you get anywhere near, you know, two or 300 years after us, we won't be able to recognize our own civilization and society and technology at that point. And imagine one that had gone in a completely different direction than us. You know, how are you even going to, I don't think you could even comprehend what their ideas would be and their motivations and their um, technology would be. It wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be like magic to us. It would be incomprehensible to us. <laughs> um, we wouldn't even recognize it as technology. Yeah. And the thing is, if we did encounter it, I don't, yeah, you're right. We wouldn't recognize it as technology. And the thing is we would start, and this is part of, you know, one of my big bailiwacks or whatever you want to call it. My, 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 uh, the thing I'm always talking about, we would start putting our own meaning on it to make sense out of it. And I think that's a lot of what's going on. And there's a couple of things in the book on that. Well, that's something that leads us to believe that we got to read that book. Let me hit you with some other things that may be related to the paranoia. And of course, you know, Roswell, I don't know what to make of it. I still think there's more of a top secret thing here than alien technology being recovered. But I'm pretty sure of that too, Gene, actually. Okay, so now then, let's look at some other subjects that our listeners are asking about. And we have a bunch of questions, and I'm sure you've checked them. From Eric the Red From Eric the Red. Do alien abductions really happen? Why or why not? Why asking me that? <laughs> You're not an abduction guy, but he asked. Um, something happens. There's my answer. You know, uh, in, in some cases, something happens, which I don't think can be put down to sleep paralysis or anything like that. I think things happen to people. Um, I don't know about a majority. I would probably say minority uh, where somebody has some sort of contact with something that isn't human. I think past that, I have no idea. And the, uh, the abduction, you know, the thing is we've been told what abductions are for so long that we've built up a, a uh, idea of what they are. And, and so that, that might influence what people report. We've got yeah. Greg Bishop with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
a former U.S. military intelligence officer, is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-618. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the PowerCast, we got Greg Bishop. He's talking about all things in general, including it defies language. And I asked him briefly because Eric the Red asked Greg about UFO abductions, and you don't follow that much, do you? Not really anymore. I was very excited when it first started uh, being a big thing in the late 80s. Um, of course, when Bud Hopkins' book Intruders came out, that was very exciting. When Whitley Strieber's came, book came out, that was tremendously exciting to me. And I still like reading what Whitley Strieber has to say, no matter what people think about his veracity or if he's lying or I don't think he's lying. I think he confabulates a lot, but that's not his fault because he's a writer and he's a, you know, he's a creative person. The thing is, it's kind of like people say, well, John Keel made stuff up or he lied or whatever. I don't really care so much about that. What I care about is the thought process and what the models he uses and how it affected him. And he's had some great ideas about what this, what might be going on. Some of my favorites are like, he said that the, whatever's going on, it's going on in the most democratic way possible. It's not going from top down. It's going from bottom up. If you, if you think that it's really some other intelligence interacting with us. Um, and that's a fascinating idea to me. I mean, they, they don't want to deal with it. If you know, if there is, if you are positing some kind of uh, motivation here in intelligence and and method, and we might be putting our own you know thing on it, or Whitley might be, but his idea is that everybody has to look at it in their own way because it just cannot be explained to everybody in the same way. And that, that, that's a fascinating idea to me, and it's something I kind of 
carry with me as I hear, you know, every time I hear an abduction story or um, about a new researcher or something like that. But no, no, I don't really follow it that closely because it hasn't changed that much. And the fact that there is a set um, scenario that at least that major researchers reveal to us and it never changes, they don't tell you about the weird stuff. But the fact that it never changes really makes me think that it's almost hopelessly to the point where we're never going to find out what the source is because there's so many models. We have a model stuck on it that most people agree with. That is the one that most people go to consciously or not. So So we have a very subjective reality here when it comes to UFOs. And we are influencing, it's I guess like quantum physics. When you observe something, you influence what it does. But Whitley Strieber, as you probably know, I don't know if you heard the episode, we finally got him on the PowerCast. Yeah, what did he say? I didn't hear it. It was basically the usual stuff in terms of what he has to say. He accepts this as a presence of the visitors. He's not 100% sure who and what they are, which is kind of important because it means that he's willing to accept that it's not just aliens coming here in physical aircraft. There's more involved. Right. I, I encountered that very early on in his writing, you know, communion and uh, maybe not so much in communion. Well, no, right off the bat in communion, I think he was thinking along those lines or had suggested that in subsequent books. I haven't read. I, fir- I read the first three and I read Majestic, which is also a great one. I really like that book. Um, that uh, he's always exploring different ways to look at it. Um, he never really sticks to one thing. And that people don't really talk about that. They're just like, oh, he's the guy that had aliens land and shove things up his butt. No, he's not that guy. He's so much more. And that, that, that always fascinates me. What else did he say on the show? I mean, it, like you said, he said the same stuff. He was talking probably about the supernatural book he wrote with uh, Kripal, right? Yes, he did. But at the end of the day, I think Chris was disappointed because he would go into his fixed routines when you'd ask him a deep question. He kind of revert back to that. So it's not that he gave you anything that you didn't know having read his books or heard him on radio and TV before. I kind of think just beginning and end that he's not just a fiction author inventing something, but the fact that he is a fiction author reflects on the way he expresses it. Yes. And that is troublesome because then you're getting more of an emotional reaction as opposed to actual factual events. How are you going to get factual events out of something that nobody knows what it is to begin with? I like the creative thing. I think that's that that that's why I like because he's looking at it with a creative mind, and I don't think that's used enough because people worship the if we get enough data, we're going to know what it is thing. I think we have enough data. That goes to another thing I want to talk to you about. But first, when you think about the creative mind, and of course we have the Mothman. We have Mothman Prophecies from Kiel, but we also have a book by Gray Barker called The Silver Bridge. And The Silver Bridge was an amazing book because it's a creative mind, a very creative, brilliant mind approaching this in a very subjective way. What happened there? It's not the way he's referring to physical events, A, B, C, and D, like a reporter. He is basically writing a parable based on what happened. Yeah. It was an amazing book if you can ever find it. The uh, Silver it Bridge. Printed. You can get it on Amazon. It, yes, it is an amazing book. In fact, I think it's, I don't know about far better. 
it's like what I was saying about, you know, maybe aliens developing in a completely different, you know, there's an article about this in the book, but developing not in a parallel way, but in a perpendicular way off to the side. Gray Barker's writing on Sil- in Silver Bridge is completely different than Keel, and he looks at it in a completely different way. And it's refreshing, enjoyable, and exciting to read, and I would encourage people to pick that up. I'm glad you brought that up, Gene. Now, the version that's available from Amazon is a Kindle edition. They've got a paperback edition. But this is a special version with a forward from Alan Greenfield, a piece material from Andrew Colvin and even Jim Mosley. So it's a later version of the original book written in 1970. Yeah, but the text is there. The text is there, but it's enhanced by additional commentaries. And it's worth what? Well, the paperback is not worth it. It's $110. It's very expensive. Yeah, I'm looking at Amazon right now. The Silver Bridge paperback, $110. That's ridiculous. But if you want to get the Kindle version, it's $9.99. I recommend the Kindle version. Don't even think of the paperback version. You know, I would have had something valuable if I still had the book. I don't think I do. I think it's lost about 10 moves ago. My friend uh, Peter Stenzel, who co-founded Excluded Middle with me, we were at a UFO convention once, and somebody was selling a copy of it. And I said, huh, that'd be interesting. I'm going to come back and get that. And about 10 minutes later, he said, hey, look what I got. Oh, he got it. An original first edition of The Silver Bridge. I had an original edition. The guy personally sent me. I'll tell you what, If I would recommend if you want something and you're not interested just in a recitation of facts, a reporter's recount of Mothman. Do you want to get this subjective book that I think was a lot more even than Gray Barker intended? Yeah. I just think he wrote what he felt and he came up with brilliance, The Silver Bridge by Gray Barker. Those were his people, so he was able to talk to them in a completely different way than Keel was because he lived there and he knew these kind of people and he knew how to talk to them. They told him stuff they would never tell Keel or reporters or whatever. Right. He's one of them. Yeah. Okay. This will tell you more. The Silver Bridge from Gray Barker. Let's go on. I'm looking here at what the cost of the book would be from other places. Okay. And I don't see a price. I see a place that is offering it online called Goodreads. Oh, yeah. And I don't see any way of actually buying a book from there. Oh, well, it says online yeah. stores. It shows a bunch of online stores that have it. And you have to kind of click on the reference and see what they sell it for. I think what it is is it, maybe somebody got a few printed up and they're kind of running out of them. And it wasn't print on demand. And that means that there's only a certain amount of them. So, you know, we've got 50 or 20 of them left. Let's just put a ridiculous price on them. And if anybody buys them, great. If not, they're still buying Kindles. I mean, I, I, I would understand that thinking. On the other hand, if they had a digital file, they could upload it to CreateSpace or Lulu and make it yeah. available for everybody at an affordable price. Speaking of affordability, the Paracast Plus is affordable. We charge by the month, the year, five years, lifetime. You get the enhanced version of this show without the ads. You get after the Paracast. You get videos, show transcripts. We're setting up. We've got the first group of edited shows now. A classic Paracast episode, somewhat better audio quality without the ads. And that's just the beginning. We'll have more features in the months to come. So once again, for the Paracast Plus, check out plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com.
Greg Bishop is here with Gene and Chris. You're in De Pentecost. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Biochemistry determines your mood, memory, energy, and endurance. Your body's primary metabolic function is to make protein. One World Way is a unique, non-denatured protein. This enables your body to have virtually 100% utilization, whereas typical whey protein powders offer no more than 18% utilization of protein. One World Way also delivers life-giving frequencies to your cells. The net result for so many people is improved energy, mood, and elimination of pain from inflammation. This technologically enhanced One World Way has been really amazing for me. I'm 36 years old and for the past several years I've been struggling with lack of energy, drive and stamina and after just two weeks on this product I'm feeling so much more energy. My yoga practice has deepened and as a massage therapist I'm able to see more clients than I've been able to in years. I've never felt results that quick with anything I've ever taken. Call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com that's oneworld w-h-e-y.com December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Now you can buy, for the first time ever, the 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-329-6700 right now or go online to usmoneyreserve.com. 1-800-329-6700. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Serious investors and traders want to make 81% return in 60 seconds? Use the same secret algorithm professional hedge fund managers use to make billions of dollars of profits. Turn $250 into $4,903 in just seven clicks of a mouse. 
Our tool is so simple that my 82-year-old grandmother can use it to make insane stock market profits. Go to BigBuckRiches.com. Watch the free video before the hedge funds make us take it down. Go to BigBuckRiches.com. From the Robert Allen System, current returns not indicative of future results. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. He's going to try every accent he knows. Yes, what, what am I supposed to do? Everybody's done the Frankenstein voice, the, the monster voice, the... You know, I, I got to think of other voices. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when it's coming up. So when you do it, it's like, oh, I got to think of something. So, you know, you got to call on your powers of uh, improvisation, I suppose, which I don't have. Well, what you can do is kind of think that's going to happen between eight and 10 minutes every time. Speaking of all these UFO reports, all right, from Dave M. Greg, have you ever witnessed any triangular aircraft? If so, where do you believe they originate from? Human means or something else? The ones that move very quickly and in UFO-like ways, I don't know where those come from. The Have ones you ever witnessed move- them? No, I haven't seen one. Have you ever seen a UFO? Yes. I know that's one of the questions. And that's a chapter in, I mean, that's an entry in the book, and I will talk about it in a second here. But no, I've never seen a triangular craft. Uh, I've talked to many people that have. I'll tell you, about seven, eight years ago, we were in a bookstore, my wife and I. She said, hey, look at this. And she handed me a, a magazine that was like a radio hobbyist magazine or something like that. It was a huge cover story on triangular um, lighter-than-air aircraft that pretty much match exactly what people are talking about. A triangle, uh, you know, like a thing that looks like a delta wing, a thing that looks like, you know, swept wing like a jet with lights on them. These things were flying, you know, at least publicly eight or ten years ago. So I think a lot of the, you know, the giant triangular and wing-shaped craft that go silently over the desert or, you know, the Hudson Valley of New York and all that, I have a very sneaking suspicion that at least some of those are these lighter-than aircraft. But as if, you know, as we know with uh, many of these things, when you try to explain it and say that's what that is, there's many sightings of things that were lighter than aircraft than air aircraft cannot do. You know, very quick turns and disappearing in five seconds over the horizon and all that. No, a lighter-than-aircraft cannot do that. So I don't know what that is. However, speaking of people saying things from inside the government you can't trust or not, I had a on my show on Radio Mysterioso a few years ago, and it's still posted, I had a guy on that said he worked at a, for a defense contractor, I think in San Diego. And Years ago, they were testing a neutrally buoyant aircraft, which had thrusters or jets or something on it, that was able to do some of the things that he said UFOs do. Now, I don't know if he was trying to get me to believe that you know UFOs are all these lighter than aircraft or what. I, it still wouldn't explain a lot of things, like effects on witnesses and all that. But there is a possibility that some of these triangles and things like that can do very quick maneuvers and and and. Uh, do some of the things that are ascribed to UFOs. The only thing that, that uh, you know, the, the one thing with that is, what about when something goes from a standing still to going something like, you know, a thousand miles an hour in a, in a half a second? That would involve really strong forces like, you know, 
air pushing against the aircraft, creating sonic booms and all that, which doesn't happen. So the pilots would suffer a condition called splat. Yes, unless, and this is something that these, this strange Navy guy told me, they were testing something where they had people breathing some sort of liquid that had oxygen in it. And so they were encased within some kind of liquid and the liquid would move along with the aircraft and they were in the middle of the wick liquid so they weren't affected by the G-forces. I don't know if that's true or not. Either there's some weird, weird technology we don't know of that is not human or somebody's figured out how to make these things move very quickly and not have uh, and not be affected by airflow or you know having a, a shock wave in, created in front of it and all that. I do not know. I really do think there is something non-human that interacts with us occasionally. Past that, I'm not sure what it is. And I don't know if it's technological or it looks to us to be technological occasionally. I don't know. I think part of the problem with UFOs is the fact that human testimony, eyewitness testimony, can be so wrong sometimes about the speed of things, about the height, that there are very likely conventional aircraft being reported and we go back to a thread we have in the forums, don't know if you saw it, Greg, about Kenneth Arnold. Now, the key thing about Kenneth Arnold is the objects he saw, he estimated to be running at 1,200 miles an hour at a time in 1947 where I think the maximum speed was maybe six or 700 miles an hour. But if he got that wrong by a substantial degree, that aircraft could have been conventional and the entire edifice on which the early UFO mystery is based would be based on something that wasn't unusual yeah true but there have been so many other things seen that are quite unusual that sure. it, i don't think it would make a lot of difference it's just that that's what came up first and the term flying saucers came up first. i had chris Aubeck on and he said he think he doesn't look at anything after 1947 because he thinks as soon as start, people started saying flying saucers that's what people expected to see which really screwed up the database. And people still see things that aren't round and flying. We just talked about the triangular thing. There's lots of different shapes, but I think people referring to it as that planted the idea that that's what people were seeing. And I've got this idea that if you see something that's so strange you can't figure out what it is, somewhere in your subconscious before it gets to your conscious recollection, it gets thrown into whatever bin that fits it. And one of them is you know, flying saucers, round things flying through the air. So I don't know how much you can count on people's uh, observations of things. It doesn't mean that the data shouldn't be collected. I think it should be collected. I think it should be collected in a little different way, uh, more of a witness-based, more than a a data-based, what did it do, how high did it go, all that. That stuff's important. But the witness stuff is far more important because it'd be nice to get a handle on how people perceive things, uh, what they perceive, and how it affects their lives. The problem is that we don't interview them about, or seldom do we. Now, for example, we've had some... Some people won't put up with it. We've had some physical researchers here who look at physical evidence and do investigation. We had Phyllis Budinger, who was a 2013 MUFON ufologist of the year. We had Chase Kletsky, who's a deputy director of research or investigations for MUFON. And we look at what she does, and they go there into a case, and they interview people about the case, and they try to get the best testimony they can. They very rarely do follow-ups. They don't consider the side issues. Looking at the person, they look at what they saw. Yeah. The person is just incidental. Oh, okay, we're going to get the information about this UFO and not about the person. It's like someone witnesses a crime, and you want to know about the crime. You want to gather evidence of the crime 
But the only time you look at the witness is when the witness does something to make you suspect their testimony or the defense for someone who's being charged with a crime will look at the witness to discredit them. But otherwise, the witness is a non-issue. Yeah. Well, in this case, the witness is the center of the issue, I think, and has been from the beginning because a crime is, you know, if somebody says something, somebody says something way off base when they're talking about some crime, like, and then a werewolf came in, it's like, okay, you're insane. But if something somebody says something way off base with you with a UFO sighting, it's just filed. Nobody even th- thinks about it, and that's where you really do have to listen to people. Like you know, uh, for example, I was told recently that right before uh, the what is it the Papua New Guinea case, the uh, one with Father Gill, where they saw whatever that thing was floating over New Guinea, and there was somebody. Up, this is in the late fifties, I think. People like standing on this platform looking thing, waving at this uh, Anglican priest and the people in his parish there. Let's um, find out more about that in a second. Okay. With Greg Bishop and Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Extend your life with Extendovite, a seven-herb combination made from garlic, cayenne, bilberry, hawthorn, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. Each herb was chosen for their abilities to help improve irregular heartbeats, chest pain, lower cholesterol, as well as normalize blood pressure and clean and strengthen arteries, plus much, much more. Doctors have taken people off of some or all of their pills just because they believe their patients got better while taking Extendivite. Get the dependability of Extendivite. Just see how you feel in six months. A two-month supply of either capsules or liquid is only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? 
Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? I have to wonder about the sounds generated by Greg Bishop. Maybe he's taking leave of his senses. (laughs) Okay, so we're paving the introduction to this case where it's almost like people on a ship, like a physical ship, a boat, where they're standing up there looking at everybody. And that's what I think of when you talk about this case. Yeah. He said it looked like just some normal thing. He said, it's like, oh, I guess it's some some people on a hovercraft testing something. He said he thought it was something that you Americans made that he told. That's what, this is what he said to J. Allen Einick. But the thing is that apparently right before the case, right before all this happened, somebody knocked at the door of the building they were in that they walked out of to see this thing. They knocked at the door. And when somebody went to answer the door, nobody was there. And, you know, I guess that could happen anywhere, but it's a little part of the story that nobody ever talks about. And it could be, you know, explore that weirdness. Why did that happen? But the, the problem with this is, I mentioned a little bit before, some people don't, they just want to tell you their story. They don't want to be scrutinized for the next, you know, five years to find out what, what happened to them subsequently or if their life changed or whatever. However, you could ask them stuff. What was going on beforehand? Were you involved in a divorce? What were you doing right when the thing happened? I had um, Cassidy Nicholas on my show. She's also with MUFON. And I said, is MUFON doing anything like this? Are they asking people? She said, we're trying to start asking people things like, what were you doing then? What were you doing just before it? You know, is this your normal routine? Um, Was there anything weird about what you were doing that day or what was happening that day? They're trying to start asking different questions, which is good. It would be a really good thing to add to the database or good things, a lot of these things, if you can. Now, I worry a lot about these databases, and we talked to Peter Davenport. Yeah. In the same connection. He's got this big database. Uh-huh. He doesn't want to give it out to anybody else because he has 30 years into it. MUFON has a database. Other people have databases. And step number one before we do anything else is to find a way, and if they're done in anything recent in terms of a off-the-shelf database program, is to merge them to combine them to flesh out cases. And one of the examples I gave, say someone sees a UFO in a specific city and then they report to 
National UFO Reporting Center. Somebody else in the same city, maybe two blocks away, reports the same thing or whatever they remember of it to MUFON. But we don't know that because this data is never coordinated. And it's not like individuals doing searches because the search capabilities are not that good. But if you stuck them all in one database, a centralized thing that all the major UFO organizations set up, stop the proprietary nonsense. This is not like iOS and Android or OS 10 and Windows. It is a centralized place where UFO information is assembled, where people can follow up if necessary. But then once you have the fleshed out cases, hey, maybe you can figure out what to do with that information. And that's what MUFON isn't doing. MUFON doesn't do any research. They say they will promote research in their goals. Did you notice that? They say promote research. They don't say do research. So they're collecting all this information. They're collectors. Right. Putting it all together. But nothing's being done to say, okay, what's it mean? Where are the patterns? Very little of that is done. So it's great to have the data now. Where do we go next? What do you think? People have to start messing, taking the data and processing it in different ways and in crazy ways and in ways that nobody expected and with outliers and things like that that, that don't make any sense. Massaging the database in ways that nobody has before might, you know, it's like um, if you can get this information, you know, uh, what time of day was it? What area of the country was it? What um, what was the weather then? Um, what is the ethnic background of the person? Uh, do they have a history of other things going on with them? Are that other- is the biggest thing right yeah. there. They're not being asked their past history in terms of paranormal events. Yeah. Well, that I that think that's part of one part of it. But with the database we have now, I think there are still things that haven't been done with it. I don't know what those might be because I haven't gone through. You can actually search the MUFON database. Um, Cassidy Nicholas told me this. She also told, I said, MUFON isn't interested in new ideas, I don't think. She goes, well, really? Do you have any? I said, yeah. And I told her one. She said, send it to MUFON. Well, he, she said that, uh, who is it, Roger Marsh? I don't know the man. I don't even know what he's like. But she said, send it to Roger and see what he says. If it, if it looks like you have it well supported, we'll support the research, which is fine. You know, I don't hate MUFON the way I used to. I just think that I'll, if you want to have really good work done, you probably have to have small groups who can move quickly or can move quickly in the way they think about things rather than be bogged down with, you know, people that have certain ideas. And I've actually talked to people who have gone to MUFON meetings and they said, and they've said things like, there's a lot of younger people that that are kind of tired of the, the way things are being done and they want to do different things, which is good. I hope they do those things. Um, but the best thing that MUFON could do now is basically to like, uh, is, is to be a repository of information and to make that information freely available to everyone, which she said they do. They do and, if you, and they do. I think it's limited to like 50 cases if you go to their database. But if you, she said if you come to them with a research problem, you say, I need to look at your entire database and I need to look at it for these things. They go, go right ahead. As far as I know, I haven't tried to do it. Um, so I'm not as down on the large organizations as I used to be. However, I think the small organizations and the individuals and, you know, the groups of five or six people, I think really exciting stuff will come out of that in the next five or 10 years because they don't have any strictures on them and they can, they can communicate through the internet and, um, share information and data and all that. And as soon as they find something out, throw that out into the public and see if it could be reproduced by somebody else. Somebody else can follow up on it and take it further. 
Um, there's ideas that I, I haven't thought of and a lot of people haven't thought of that I'm sure people are working on right now, quietly, I hope. And then at some point they will release that information. What One problem, weird problem, I think, is that once people start finding out what they think the UFO thing is, it might only work for them. <laughs> a la Whitley Strieber in his uh, uh, democratic thing. Until we get some different understanding of reality and, and uh, or a different model of it, I, I think we're going to be stuck in, in, in the way that we look at it, that, you know, uh, people, and people really have to get away from the uh, aliens coming from other planets and structured craft thing. Maybe true, but let's look at other stuff. And I think people are doing that. Question from Technomage in our forums at forum.theparacast.com. And that is, you've seen these already, so I know that nothing I say comes as a surprise to you. What's your favorite case? One that you find to be the most mysterious? Well, there's diff- the different, favorite and mysterious are different things to me. Um, let's see, a favorite case? Always like the Joe Simonton case. Love that case. The one with the with the space pancakes. And let's go back into that before you go on. So, this saucer lands on this guy's Wisconsin farm. He doesn't and, see it land. He hears a noise outside. Okay, he hears a noise. But I didn't say that. I just said it lands. I didn't say he saw it land. Okay, so this craft lands, and he sees the craft after hearing the noise. And he seems like a pretty simple farmer. You know, salt of the earth kind of guy in Wisconsin, okay? Yeah. Joe and he sees they're cooking something and he motions towards it and they hand him these rather stiff, greasy pancakes. So we know that E.T., well, they're not very good cooks. But what's your perception? Do you think it's somebody's big joke on him? I don't know what happened with that. I think what happened was something very strange happened to him, and his mind formed it into something that made sense to him. Uh, the first thing they did was ask, give him a jug and ask him to go get water. So he filled water up like in his kitchen or something and brought it back to them, and then they gave him the, the little pancake things. And then he said he saw the thing rise up and, and leave. Um, but, yeah, he looked at it through some open door or something in the side, and there were people cooking on a flameless grill, or somebody was. And somebody else appeared to be sitting in a chair. Maybe they were a pilot or something. And the entire si- inside of the aircraft was like this matte black. Everything was black. And the entire outside, he said, was shiny and almost mirror-like, I think. There, <laughs> there is an essay on this in the book, actually, about the symbolic uh, uh, implications of Joe Simonton's sighting. <laughs> Symbolic um, implications. You know what? We have about 20 seconds left with this segment. I'm going to ask you that before we go on to other questions and things. What are these symbolic aspects of the Joe Simonton case? Other than the pancakes, which didn't taste very good, except that the ET needs some cooking lessons. That's really yeah, what it's all well, about. They, maybe yeah. they got spoiled pancake mix. Greg Bishop is here with Gene and Chris. You're in the Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas. The attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Destroy harmful bacteria, allergens, bed bugs, dust mites, fleas in your home with the Ladybug Steam Vapor System. The Ladybug dies deep on surfaces without any toxic residue. Traditional control agents contain toxic chemicals which do more harm than good. Sanitize and disinfect using just water. Quick, fast, and surprisingly easy. Find out more now by calling 800-997-6584. Ask for Randy. That's 800-997-6584. Or go to advap.com slash gcn. That's advap.com slash gcn. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer Repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. By now, you know the smart way to buy emergency food storage is calories per dollar. Ready Supply Foods sells you 50% more food for your money. GMO-free, 25-year shelf life, great tasting, and free shipping. You need 2,000 calories per day under ideal conditions. Most 30-day kits don't have enough calories to sustain you for more than a week. They just don't have enough nutrition to do the job. See the comparisons for yourself at ReadySupplyFoods.com. We are the new leader in value and quality. Go to ReadySupplyFoods.com today. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
Okay, Greg Bishop, back to Joe Simonton, Eagle River, Wisconsin. I remember that. I remember him being interviewed on the Long John Nebel radio show. Okay, so what else can you point to here? Symbolism about Joe Simonton? I found the passage I wrote about it on in the book. It is not very long. It's like two paragraphs. I will read it because I, otherwise I'm going to get confused. I will confuse myself. What I said was any attempt to interpret this episode logically obviously falls flat. Many have tried, but it's a dead end. If we hypothesize a bit on the basic elements of the story, we can come up with a few interesting things. One, the thing apparently came from and went back to the sky. Many things we associate with God's unseen forces and the unknown reside in the heavens. Two, the men didn't say a word to Simonton. Talking about things often robs them of open interpretation and ultimate personal meaning. Many religious disciplines stress the value of silence. Three, he was given three plain, they turned out to be ordinary wheat gluten, flat wafers. I do not need to emphasize the symbolism of holy wafers and the more widespread act of ingesting food and drink that's uh, alleged to have mystic powers. Okay, so this spaceship was run by Catholics. Yes, exactly. Four, the outer part of the craft was brighter than chrome, in quotes, according to Simonton, while the interior was black. The men were dressed in black outfits with black caps. They were Mennonites. Yes. Shining truth on the outside contrasts with the occulted secretive black on the inside brings up images of spiritual promise contrasted with the more difficult to grasp truths within any path to true understanding. (laughs) That's just a couple things off the top of my head when I just said, let's look at the Joe Simonton thing and not look at it as some strange thing that happened to somebody that seems really weird. But let's let's look at the symbolic uh, aspects of it and what what that opens up. That happens in a lot of close encounter cases. You can look at it in a symbolic way and it becomes it com- becomes a different kind of a lesson and a different kind of a story. Well, in the case of Joe Simonton, it was looked at as a big joke. Ho, 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 the aliens come and they hand him these horrible tasting pancakes. And no one looks beyond that because we have this relatively simple guy who evidently was not seeking fame and fortune. It's just something that happened that he couldn't understand. And he told us about it. Of course, you could look at the pancakes and see. Now, in relation to that or anything else, would you think a case like this was maybe the military playing a joke on somebody? No, I don't think so. People give the military a lot more credit for a lot of things than I think they deserve. Um, I think very strange things happen to people all the time, and it has nothing to do with the authorities. In fact, it make, it scares the authorities, which is kind of the reason why I like all this weird stuff, because there's a bunch of people telling us the way that things should be. And then there's these weird stories about stuff that are not the way things are supposed to be. And that, you know, that's exciting. It's exciting to a lot of people. I think that might be the, you know, one of the roots of interest in the UFO stuff and paranormal stuff is because somebody, something somewhere is showing us that we don't know everything. Well, therefore, as Ray Palmer said many times, flying saucers are here to make us think. Yes, I I think they are. And a lot of these things, uh, flying saucers, the close encounters that come from them, (laughs) even cryptozoological stuff, it's here to make us think and, and push us forward. Bud Hopkins, no matter what you think about him, I've taped a a video of him lecturing years ago, like 90, no, 1987 or 86, something like that. And he said, the one quote I remember from him, he said, is UFOs are dragging us kicking and screaming into the science of the 21st century. I don't know if it's dragging us kicking and screaming into the science, but the, the problems brought up by it don't make any sense in the way that we've been taught to make sense. So I think we have to make sense in a different way or, you know, 
or embrace the nonsense and see where that takes us. So, you know, hence my little thing about uh, Simonton there. Well, I think if you go back, and if you can even get the magazines anymore, go back to Ray Palmer's Flying Saucers in Search. This is after he split off from Fate Magazine. And he talked about holes at the poles. And he talked about all sorts of crazy things. And he presented theories, not necessarily that they're to be taken literally, but to think about possibilities. And a lot of people think that he was just putting us on. I remember one of his close friends that I talked to quite a few times in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, Otto Binder, who was well-known as a science fiction writer. He was a comic book writer who wrote Captain America with Stan Lee, the original Shazam, Captain Marvel, and in 1959 created or co-created Supergirl. Yeah. And, and he was close with Ray Palmer. And he said, you know, he's just saying this stuff to get people to respond in the letters to the editor column and start debates back and forth. That's it. But I think Palmer had a deeper purpose in mind here. Again, that was to get you to think about possibilities because that's a way to advance the discussion. If it's just spaceships and the next sighting, you get bored with that pretty easily. I know that in the old days, I was working with Jim Mosley over at Saucer News. And he told me, frankly, I'm bored with sightings. You know, unless there's something extraordinary or strange about them, it's the same old thing. But the problem I have with a place like MUFON, and I hope they're getting more open to different possibilities now, the problem I have is that's where they went. Their growth has been stunted. Since 1969, it's just, okay, you see something strange in the sky, maybe it lands, get the description, let's go on to the next case. Yeah, I think they're trying to change that. I hope they are. According to Cassidy, who I had on my show, they are trying to change that. And I've seen a little bit of evidence of that. Well, I have asked Chris to invite his friend Jan Harzam, the international director of MUFON, back on. Let's talk to him. Now, in connection with that, and here's another thing. As you know, Chris has his project, San Luis Valley Project. Mark Rodiger of the Center for UFO Studies, working with Leslie Kane and others, has a UFO data project. And we have this CubeSat from Canada. We had a guest on to talk about that. That's going to be a UFO detection system in low orbit. And apparently it's all scheduled already to go up next year. And we have the projects for possible UFO detectors. And now because of the technology, the fact that you can get a personal computer in your pocket, it's not super expensive to create these systems. Do you think if we send up UFO detectors in orbit or put them in places where there's a lot of activity around the Earth, do you think they'll actually find something or will the phenomenon just go elsewhere? They'll find something and it'll be inconclusive. That's what I think. I don't think they shouldn't do it because there's always the chance that something incredible and cool and earth-shaking could happen. However, you know, if we haven't got a good picture of anything at this point, and you know, yeah, unless they have different cameras on it, different wavelengths, um, got you know, radar and all kinds of things going on, I don't know if just a picture is going to convince anybody of anything. It might. Who knows? Although I, I think a lot of people would agree with me, the more clear the picture is, the, the more I tend to think it's fake. <laughs> this is the pro problem with this thing. And that is when there are photos, 99% of the time it's blurry. When you do see something, it could be something where it could be an Adamski photo, a George Adamski photo, you know, where they've got what light bulbs or something as the base yeah. for the UFOs. 
Yeah. By the way, I heard from somebody who wanted to come on the Paracast and tell us about George Adamski and all the great things he did. And I wrote back and I said, didn't you know this was proven to be a hoax years ago? It was shown to be a hoax. It was exposed. And I pointed her to the Adamski expose issue from 1957 that we have posted at jimmosley.com that Kurt Collins put up there. I haven't heard back from her. But I think she really didn't expect that reaction. I mean, people jump into this field and something catches their interest. And they are oblivious to what has gone before. So they just simply repeat the same old mistakes. Well, the thing is, it you know, this, the idea I got from Robert Anton Wilson a long time ago, was, which was to examine everything and but believe nothing. And especially with the UFO thing, I mean, I try to be as agnostic as possible, like to the point where people get mad at me. Like, well, I don't have an idea about that. And, you know, there's a few things. Actually, there's quite a few things where I think absolute crap. Don't worry about that. There's a very tiny few things that I think that's very interesting. And it's uh, and it's uh, unknown. And, you know, further thought is needed on this and further research. And, you know, and we may never get the answer. But that's that. That's not the point. I think the point is to attack it from as many different angles as possible, um, and maybe there'll be some. You know, maybe somebody will find something out, or maybe there'll be a, a, a synthesis of different things. Um, and like Gray Barker said, I think in one of his speeches, and I think I said this in the book too, is like if if you're looking for the UFOs, look within yourself, and that's where you'll find them. Um, that that he said that in the fifties. I think a few other people did too. And what the implication of that is to me is that. Our perceptions and our expectations and our hopes and fears and all this other stuff and our basic, you know, um, genetics, the way we were raised and all that has a huge impact on how we perceive, um, uh, report, process the information, remember, retell stories about UFOs. We have Greg Bishop. More to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 75 years ago, America suffered one of the worst moments in American history, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now you can remember December 7th, 1941 
with the purchase of the first-ever 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor Legal Tender Solid Gold Coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-490-3200 right now for the official 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor Legal Tender Gold Coin from the U.S. Money Reserve, the only company authorized to distribute these 100% solid gold coins. Remember Pearl Harbor with this limited official gold release. 1-800-490-3200 or online at usmoneyreserve.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. He's trying to speak fast. Well, last time I did, I went, speak my, my power is running low. <laughs> Sounds like the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, where people think he really said, I buried Paul. Yeah, strawberry sauce. I can't remember what it was supposed to be. Doesn't matter. We have to now, when people report UFO sightings, what we do is we record what they said. And then we play it backwards. Who do? I don't know. You know, it's funny. Oh, I is just that a proposal re- you're making? Uh, I don't know. I'm just making it up as I go along. That's how I, I love live. that idea. It's completely ridiculous. And it's and it's and uh, that's exactly what we need. Okay, so it's going to be like John Lennon used to do with music, where he'd play musical instruments backwards and see what happens. So maybe we take a Whitley Strieber talking about his encounters with the visitors and play it backwards. See, the mistake people would make is that there's a message there that he didn't know that was there that's subconscious. I don't think that's the answer. I mean, that, that, I don't think people even can think in that way. What the, the point is, is that you would hear something in there that would just set your mind off in another direction that might be fruitful. Do you know how I came up with the idea for the I, – I couldn't think of a title for the book for months, for three or four months while I was trying to put it all together. And in desperation at the very last minute, and when Red Pill was saying, I need a title here so I can give you your graphic for the cover, I said, okay, I took the introduction to the book and I put it in an online cut-up generator, which means it just takes everything you wrote and reshuffles all the, the words randomly. And I just sat there and read what came out. None of it made any real sense. And I wrote down any phrase that came to my mind while I was reading this, whether it was printed there or that a phrase that came to my mind by reading it. And one of the phrases that came up was, it defies language. And I said, that's it. <laughs> you can't figure it out. It defies language. I like the title because, one, I think the, uh, the, the, uh, what we're trying to describe with UFO stuff and a few other the weird things I write about in the book, we are hamstrung by the language to describe it because it, it already limits how we're going to think about it. And the other funny thing is it's a book called It Defies Language, which is made up of words. <laughs> so you can't say it, but you have to write a book about what you can't say. Yes. Well, it's like, you know, you can think of it like an artwork or like poetry. It's trying to say something that can't be said, you know, by by writing around it and, and, and uh, dancing around it in different ways and hoping that occasionally you poke at what the essence of the thing is, if, I, if that makes any sense. And if it doesn't, we'll pretend it does. And I, I, I really feel, do, do feel like that, that, we, that a creative approach and a non-specific or non-direct approach is 
part of, you know, it, it would be very interesting to do that in a sustained, concentrated way. Uh, and I think if the, certain people can probably do it. Um, and maybe they'll report something interesting back to us. So it, 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 I think if you approach it in kind of an oblique way off to the side and not meet it head on and say, what is this thing? It's got to have an answer. You know, I, I think some of the answers may be hiding in a, in a non-direct approach. That's just one of my ideas. Now, you're a pretty good writer. Thank you. But despite that, you opted to publish this book yourself. Any yep. reason why you didn't go to a traditional publisher? Uh, one, I didn't think anybody would be interested in it really enough to publish it, which I don't know if I'm right or not. And two, uh, I wanted to see if I could do it myself. And three, and this is completely, you know, probably why most people, one of the reasons most people do is I want to keep more of the money from it. <laughs> if you go to a traditional publisher, it's, they've got through a whole thing. If you get a bestseller or sell something or a few things that, that do really well, you can do okay with it. I might not do another self-published book, but this one was, it was kind of a job to figure out, but um, it was one of those things where it's like, I did it actually, you know, the thing looks good. It looks, to me, I think it looks like a regular professionally published book. It doesn't look self-published. And a great part of that is due to Red Pill, like I said at the beginning. Now, I want to mention one little segment of the book, and it's Long John Nebel, The Art Bell of the 1950s. And as you say correctly in the book, most fans of Coast to Coast AM aren't aware that late night paranormal radio is nothing new. That it started in the mid 50s with a former carnival barker named of Long John Nebel. Yeah. And this is something that I would know because my brother was once on that show. One time he came on that show. This is maybe when he was in his early 20s. And I think they wanted him back, but he didn't really want to stay up all night. <laughs> he was working during the day. He was inventing Retin-A. I'm serious. Yeah. The acne medicine. He was the inventor wow. of Retin-A. He invented reach toothbrushes when he worked with Johnson & Johnson. So all these companies own the, own the uh, patent, so he doesn't make any money off it, damn it, right? It doesn't matter. He's been dead for 20 years. Oh, okay. Anyway, so, what was he doing on Nebel? I don't know. I think he had an interest in some of this stuff. Also, one of Long John's close friends, as you and I know, was Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason was really, really deep into UFOs, but he was also a pretty skeptical guy. I mean, he didn't take fools gladly. Yeah. There was a, there is a, and I think you can find it online somewhere. Um, and in, in the forum discussion after this, if I find it, I'll put the, the link up. But it's a um, show with uh, Jackie Gleason calling in and talking to Gray Barker. And Gray Barker's joking with him because that's what Gray Barker did. And Gleason is getting pissed at him. It's like, you know, he keeps saying, you know, why can't you be straight with me? Why, why, why would you say that? And he's like, and Barker's like, calm down. I'm just messing around, dude. And that makes Gleason even more pissed off. <laughs> He didn't know about Gray Barker and what Gray Barker was, but I agree with you. He's very serious about this. As funny as he could be on TV and in his early movie career. Brilliant comedian. Yeah. I mean, really incredible. Created memorable characters. Of course, we only think about Ralph Cramden. Yeah. But there were a number of others. Right. Reginald Van Gleeson, for example, kind of poking fun at the rich and the famous. Poking fun at Mitt Romney. 
Although <laughs> he didn't know yeah, about well, Mitt Romney. Danny Griffith happened. poked fun at Donald Trump uh, uh, 50 years ago. So, Well, the problem is here, Donald Trump is poking fun at himself. The point being here is that <laughs> Long John Nebel was a showman. Yes. And sometimes he pulls stunts on the air. Like, for example, one time Gray Barker's talking about the men in black. And he said something about, oh, well, you know, none of that stuff's happening here. And immediately the show stops and music goes on. And they pretend that they got a phone call from somebody in management saying, take that off the air and go to music. (laughs) And it's one of the famous stunts that Long John pulled because... I don't know if he had a personal interest in UFOs or only thought it was fodder for ratings. Success. I don't know. I mean, I met the guy a few times, and he was a pretty nasty dude. You know, what, put, Long John was nasty? <sighs> Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> well, I never met the man. I have no idea. I mean, what do you mean nasty? He was, like, rude and, and horrible with people, or...? He could be rude. He could be sarcastic. Oh, okay. Yes, but the thing is that uh, I, I had I've had discussions with people about this. Like, what what kind of person makes a really good entertainer? Sometimes they're people you don't want to hang out with or want to be friends with, but they're great entertainers. Um, and that's what Neville was doing. He was entertaining people first. Like, like I said in the article, I think somewhere his, his quote was, I don't buy the gaff. He didn't, he didn't believe any of the stuff that was on his show. He just, he just thought it was really good radio. And he was right. And the funny thing is that most people listening to his show did buy it all, which he thought was uproariously funny. Exactly. And when you ask him about his belief, he'd say, for example, I have no doubt that UFOs are spaceships. But that doesn't mean I believe UFOs are spaceships. <laughs> I mean, it was really tricky, the things he would do, the word games he would play. And this is a guy, I don't even think he even made it into high school. The key is here is that there would be no Art Bell doing coast-to-coast AM and talking about the paranormal if there wasn't the example set first by Long John Nebel in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. we got more to come with Greg Bishop and Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. If you're fascinated by UFOs, ancient aliens, archaeological mysteries, ghost hunting, Atlantis, and any other paranormal topic as we are, be sure to check out apmagazine.info each month. Since 1985, it has presented the latest research by top researchers like Andrew Collins, Brad Steiger, and many others, and contains interviews with such leading personalities as Jacques Vallée. Check, click on one of their banners and check out apmagazine.info. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. 
Hi, my name is Scott Fuchs, teacher and rowing coach for over 14 years. I was sluggish, overweight, on prescription drugs, and only 30-something. Fortunately, I was referred to Dr. Z, and happy to say Dr. Z's all-natural protocols over a consistent course resolved my health issues. I'm in the best shape of my life, and most importantly, on zero medications. I'm Dr. Zdanowski, author of Evology, trained as a primary care physician, surgical manipulation under anesthesia, expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health, a balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been a secret too long. Actualize your potential, reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. 201-945-1177-201-945-1177 EvolveYourself.com Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral! Don't pick on the IRS alone! I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely! We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral! Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 75 years ago, America suffered one of the worst moments in American history, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now you can remember December 7th, 1941, with the purchase of the first ever 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call one 800 490 3200 right now for the official 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve, the only company authorized to distribute these 100% solid gold coins. Remember Pearl Harbor with this limited official gold release. 1-800-490-3200 or online at usmoneyreserve.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. All right. We're getting to the end of this, but not by a long shot. You have an article you wrote here in your book. Alien evolution, alien motivation, and you start where you talk to... You're going to have to remind me what what I said. Okay. Dates 5-24-2007. On a promotional tour for Star Trek IV, director Leonard Nimoy was asked if he thought that whales, who play a major role in the film story, were ahead or behind us in the evolutionary continuum. And you talk about his answer. 
Yeah, well, his answer was he didn't – he thought for a second. I think – this is a friend of mine that went to the press junket and actually saw Nimoy say this. What he said was, well, how about we don't think of them as be ahead of us or behind us but off to the side, which to my mind, if you're thinking – I mentioned this a little you know, earlier in the interview. People keep thinking that the aliens are 100,000 years ahead of us or whatever. Well, then you're already tracking them into everything that you know already. It's hard to track things into things you don't know. But, you know, consider the fact that they may have evolved their thought and their bodies and everything on a completely different track than we would expect. In fact, that's probably, you know, if that, if that happened, it's almost a certainty that they evolved along a track that we can't even comprehend. So if we can't comprehend that, where does that leave us? It leaves us, goes back to my original idea of, you know, I think we're contributing far more to the UFO dance than we want to admit and that people should probably be looking at, you know, issues of uh, depth psychology, uh, folklore, uh, how memory works and all that and following that, you know, following that back to, uh, you know, people's original reports and how those were encoded in their minds before they told them to us. Uh, Burnt State on the forums, he's he said something that was really important, I thought, that um, – People are not telling a story about what happened to them. What they're doing is telling you their memory of it. And every time they tell the story, it's going to change ever so slightly. So what we're dealing with is a memory. And a, mem- a memory is a, is a notoriously imprecise thing. So I, I think we have to look at how we, d- you know, how, how we deal with things. And, and what he, he also said, a traumatic event. A UFO sighting is basically, if it's close enough, it's kind of a traumatic event. You don't expect it. it. It completely throws you for a loop and you have something you've never encountered before, at least the majority of people that see these things close up. And that becomes a traumatic event. What happens to people's brains when they have something happen to them that is startling, unexpected, and whatever emotions or thoughts are going through your mind when, when that's going on? I think that's a really important part of the puzzle. And like you said earlier, Gene, that everybody's concentrating on how high was it, how fast did it go, what color was it? That, that's not nearly as important as how to, I think is how it affected the person and how the person encoded that experience uh, for themselves and then you know, later telling it to other people. You have a section here in your book called Objectivity as an Enemy of UFO Study. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I wrote for okay, that. Okay. <laughs> it relates to a short on-camera interview you did with Paul Kimball. Yeah. What did I say? I think it's something like uh, well, you know what? I've been going on about it for most of the interview here. I think an objective view of the phenomenon is we've got enough of that. It's all in the databases. The subjective view is it's hard to get a handle on. I don't even know how to how to um, categorize any of the subjective views. But I think that the subjective view, what happens to people, how it makes them feel, how it might change their lives, you know, how did it affect their interactions with other people or family members or wives or husbands or uh, or kids that has been ignored almost completely. And I think that might be a big part of the, a big part of solving the puzzle or bringing into a solution of the puzzle or or even, you know, towards an understanding. Now Um, here's one of the issues too, you find you may actually get a story about what happened to someone's life, like Dale Sparr. Yeah. For example, he is the patrolman who chased UFOs into another state. It totally wrecked his life. 
there was an article called a UFO, a flying saucer called Harold or something like that because Dale Spar decided to call it that. It's a weird little news story I, I saw, but go ahead. Well, we had someone on the show who wrote a book about strange things in Ohio, and he talked with the son of Dale Spar. And mm. it was rather fascinating. This is a couple of years ago on the Powercast. But the thing is here, we report matter-of-factly what happened to people, how it might have changed their lives. But we don't focus on what's going on to change your life. Just seeing something strange in the sky? There has to be more to it than that. No, no. What what happened to the person afterwards? How did it change their worldview? How did it change their, you know, some people go crazy. Um, Dale Spar actually, I think he he ended up living by himself in an apartment somewhere and left his family and, you know, uh, went crazy or died in obscurity or something. He certainly, certainly it, it cost him his job at the police department, just like a few, many other policemen who are involved in UFO cases. Not because of, you know, maybe not even because of the ridicule or anything. It's just because it, the, what's the word? The uh, cognitive dissonance that it, that it presented them with scrambled their brains. Now, just to present this, okay? The book we're talking about is It Came From Ohio. The guest was the guy who wrote it, James Renner. This is June 14th, 2014. He talks about this case back in 1966. And like I said, his insights were based on the fact that he talked to Dale Spar's son about how the entire family is broken up. And you have to think about it. What is there about just seeing something in the sky or following something or having one of these experiences that causes such a personal impact on someone's life? I'm not talking about a UFO abduction because no. when that happens, I mean, it, you know, someone can go literally crazy and be really deeply impacted, but just a light in the sky or maybe chasing a UFO. Here's another quote UFOs are here to make us crazy. <laughs> and they do. I mean, sometimes just reading about them can affect your life. And that's happened to a lot of us. I don't know what direction my life would have taken if I hadn't read that book that my brother, the guy who went on Long John once, conveniently put on his coffee table, left it there. And while he was at work, I visited his home and his wife gave me permission to take it home. It was a library book. Flying Saucers from Outer Space by Major Donald Kehoe. I never knew him to be that much interested in the subject. He was somewhat interested but he tried to play the role of serious scientist. I think partly because his reputation as a research executive in the drug industry, in the healthcare industry. So he didn't want to be tainted by, oh, he's interested in UFOs. And maybe that's why he didn't want to go back on Long John again. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. We have Greg Bishop. And he has an interesting, fascinating book of essays, articles he wrote over the years. It defies language. And just describing the illustrations from Red Pill Junkie, that defies language. They're amazing. With Gene and Chris, you're in... listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com or 800-544-3533. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details in the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Dr. Joel Wallach here. If you're a baby boomer and you're worried about the big epidemics coming, and I'm not talking about the bird flu or the swine flu. I'm talking about epidemics of Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, arthritis, cancer. That's because the 80 million baby boomers followed all the advice of doctors, and uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. See Dr. Wallach live in Little Rock, Arkansas, Saturday, May 14th, 1 p.m. Go to www.cdocinarkansas.com. That's cdocinarkansas.com. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding. Unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze. Containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. 
A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at Emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at Emberlit.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. That's Polly Bishop, who now wants his cracker because it's getting late and he needs his ice cream or pizza or whatever he's going to have for dinner. What are you going to have for dinner? Uh, probably pizza. We had some last night. I, I, what I do is I freeze the pizza and I put it in the, uh, and then I can, all I have to do is take it out and put it in the toaster oven. It's called pizza bank. <laughs> so I'm, I make a large uh, deposit when we first buy the pizza with the leftovers. And then I just make small, small withdrawals over the next few days from the pizza bank. <laughs> okay. So what pizza place is this? La Rocco's pizza in Culver city, which is, incredibly good it's one of the few decent pizza places i've been making pizza myself i bought a little pizza stone to put in the oven and all that and they, they come out great go have a pro make it once in a while do you toss your pizza and everything no i roll it out um as thin as possible and then you know put all the toppings on it and i make my own tomato sauce by taking canned italian tomatoes putting them in a blender and putting in like some italian herbs and some salt and a little bit of uh, olive oil it makes a great pizza sauce you know, here's the thing. That's like New York-style pizza, the thin crust. That's yes, I like thin crust. Okay, I like thick crust. And you know what pizza I like? People are going to think I'm crazy. There's a deep, deep dish pizza from Little Caesars, like $5. Yeah. You go to a Little Caesars or like a Kmart has a Little Caesars section. Yeah. For $5, you get four small slices plus a drink. Okay? Yeah. Now, a deep dish pizza... Pizza is kind of like a Sicilian pizza from New York. That's a deep dish pizza. It's very similar to it. Yeah. And this is really good. Maybe it's because in this one store all across America and the world, they make it right. But I really like that pizza as much as any kind I get. And I, of course, being from New York, have tasted the best pizza. I don't know why we're talking about pizza. Because it's important. Pizza is very important. <laughs> It's a lot of people's favorite food, and I like it very much. I've got this weird thing. I'm, I'm uh, since I've been laid off like about a year and a half ago, and trying to do this thing with the writing and all that. I'm exceedingly poor, or at least by my standards, I'm, I'm poor, and I'm trying to be very cheap with everything. The only thing I'm not cheap on is food, because if I don't have good food, food that I like, I get very depressed. I can do without, you know, another book, or I can do without, you know, some gadget or, you know, a trip somewhere or whatever, but I can't do without good food. Otherwise, everything's lost. I, I've always been like that. I've been cooking since I was eight years old. Well, I don't cook that much. I can make a pretty mean steak. But what I do, of course, I've been going through being poor and old, which is not fun to be poor and old, especially in the USA where they just want to send you out the pasture. I must be living in the wrong country. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm heading for that in about the next 20 years or so. I got to watch it. Well, okay, I've been there already. I've done that. But what I do is I go find the Progresso soup, 
for about a dollar and a half if you find it on sale. That's pretty good. I think it's thicker and better flavor than a lot of the canned soups. You can find banquet TV dinners for like a dollar twenty or dollar fifteen each. I don't go so much into the one dollar specials at <laughs> McDonald's because I think they're just really bad. Yeah. Well, I go over the farmer's market and I buy probably not the cheapest produce, but I buy fresh produce. And then I, I basically just walk over there um, or ride my scooter over there. And it's like, let's grab a bunch of stuff and see what I can make with it. And it usually turns out OK. I've been making really nice Italian salads with um, with smoked prosciutto in them. It's delicious. Well, I'll tell you what you do next time you're in Arizona. Bake a pizza. Well, it wouldn't stay frozen, though, long enough. No. Nah. No, it wouldn't work. Or, or if you get a hotel room with a small stove or something. Or yeah. you can make it here. Bring the ingredients over to my place. And okay. make us a pizza. I'll do that. Okay? Yeah. That's the way to do it. Food At least your work. wife works, right? Yes, she does. She's a children's librarian. And um, now she's working for two. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm holding up my end of it. I, I work for Coast to Coast, so that's a little bit of income. And I do some real estate apartment management, and that's a little work bit of Work for what? For that show. You do? What do you do for them? Uh, web work. Oh, okay. No, no, I don't, I don't choose the guests. I have nothing to do with what they do. It's, I basically support. I help them you know, create the website. Okay, so if there's a problem... Are you shocked, stunned, and, and, and insulted now? <laughs> it's a website. It's money. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a lot of money, but as, as, I've, you know, as I got laid off my post-production job, I realized I'm going to have to have all kinds of little streams of um, income. The other thing I'm trying to do is fly drones for money, and um, I just actually got a message today saying that there might be a job coming up here in the next couple of days, which is unfortunate because I won't be here for a few days. I'll be in Dallas. Why Dallas? Uh, a fan of the show decided that he wanted to fly me out there to talk to people, um, and I said I'd do it, and it's turned into a it's turned into a gathering. I think there's probably going to be about thirty of us there, and it's basically just me and a few other people are just going to talk a little bit, and then we're just going to go and do stuff like go to restaurants and go to Dealey Plaza and go to the Assassination Museum. It's just basically a bunch of fans and friends getting together and hanging out. Hey, you'll come back to the show and you'll talk about it. I'm jealous. I like <laughs> Dallas. I went to Dallas once or twice, and I kind of like the place. So I, I like go it back. too. I've I've been there once. Um, I stayed with a friend, and um, we went to the Assassination Museum. We also went to the Conspiracy Museum, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, it, it it is it is a fun place to visit, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. I'm leaving tomorrow. Actually, what he's doing, he's leaving. A couple of days ago, when you hear the show on a Sunday, because we're doing it on a Wednesday evening. Yes. So I know that doesn't make sense. Let's get back to our crazy business here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so in your essays, you're talking about a lot of weird stuff and not so weird stuff about some fascinating people over the years. At the end of the day, if you're deciding what to do for the next 20 years to get a handle on all this and try to come to some realistic conclusions, not just unproven theories. What do you do? What is Greg Bishop going to do? Or does it matter? Um, my, I don't really have a plan. The only plan is to go where my, my inspiration and thoughts take me and talk to people who I can learn something from. Um, and then above all that is to, is to have fun. I mean, talking to people about this is fun. 
And then you find out most people that are into it are fairly intelligent and they can talk to you about a lot of things. So, you know, I, it, it's, it's just a journey. It's going to take me, you know, it's going to take me the rest of my life and maybe I'll learn something. Uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll discover something and, or maybe I won't, but in the meantime, you know, I, I, I get to do things like talk to you and Chris and other people and, um, you know, uh, heroes of mine will, will talk to me, which is amazing and stuff like that. I mean, it's, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is the journey is very important. I don't know what, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the goal is. The goal is to have fun and to learn things. Okay. I discovered something about the coast to coast AM site. What? Coast to coast AM.com. You're hosted on GoDaddy. They are, really? Well, if you trace back the IP numbers, they're owned right. by GoDaddy. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And just to point something out, I'm about a 30-minute drive from the international headquarters of GoDaddy. Right. I do not use them. Okay. I heard some people use them and others don't. I use InMotion hosting and they're fine. I've been they've been treated me fine and it's not that expensive and they're really helpful when I talk to them on the phone. So seriously speaking, let's get back to some serious stuff here. Okay. <laughs> what is there about UFOs that people are just getting wrong? Is it the instant assumption that it's gotta be ET, it's ET ET, before we have the answer, because we have one more segment. I want to hold this for the cliffhanger. A lot of TV series now are reaching their summer hiatus. So if they're renewed next year, they'll leave a cliffhanger on the final episode. And you have to wait till the fall to see what really happened to your favorite characters, if they'll still be alive. If your favorite superheroes will get out of a jam with the superhero villain of the week or something like that. I have no idea. Go to plus.theparacast.com. Learn about the Paracast Plus with After the Paracast, our exclusive podcast, the special version of this show with better audio and no commercials, and transcripts and all sorts of goodies. We've got Greg Bishop with Gene and Chris. You're in. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
using heart and body extract, my energy level was very, very low. I could only walk a few feet and then would have to sit down. I was tired and lethargic. But after taking heart and body extract, my energy level has improved greatly, and I can now walk longer distances without getting tired so fast. Thank you, heart and body extract. Learn the secrets of an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation at hbextract.com. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Now you can buy, for the first time ever, the 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-329-6700 right now or go online to usmoneyreserve.com. 1-800-329-6700. Before using heart and body extract, my energy level was very, very low. I could only walk a few feet and then would have to sit down. I was tired and lethargic. But after taking heart and body extract, my energy level has improved greatly, and I can now walk longer distances without getting tired so fast. Thank you, heart and body extract. Learn the secrets of an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation at hbextract.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I don't even know how to respond to that sound. <laughs> well, this time I, I, I tried to get ready for it. I jumped up and got an ocarina before... <laughs> Before you went to the break. <laughs> Do you play that thing or just make silly noises? No, I just make silly noises. Okay, silly noises, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go to the Ministry of Silly Walks next. <laughs> All right, you were about to say, I started a cliffhanger, where I started a joke, if you want to be that way. 
Uh, okay. What the cliffhanger was. Oh, people get into it and what the mis- the mistake that might they might make. Right. What the fact that people get into this thing and something attracts them, a case, a show, whatever. What are the worst mistakes they make? Assuming immediately ET ET. Um, I think the mistake most people make is the mistake most people make about anything is that they have a preconception and they stick to it. Or that the first thing they hear is the thing that they stick to. Um, I I think with any strange thing, especially, you know, subject, especially UFOs, it is, it is important that you not only look at, gather more information on what you think you're looking for, but gather information on things that you think that you might not agree with. Or that just they don't seem to be on the proper, even properly on the map. So the, the, this crazy wisdom approach, I think, is uh, is one of the only things you can do when you when, when you get in the UFO subject. And the other one is um, the reason that this magazine was called Excluded Middle is because um, if you're not careful, you're going to go to you're going to go to some extreme. We used to think it was a believer or the the skeptic or the you know doc, doctrinaire or uh, fundamentalist skeptic, but there's there's all kinds of shades of different, you know, uh, extremism. The minute you start moving towards extremism is when you stop learning. And if you stop learning, you might as well not be in the subject. In fact, if you're living and you stop learning, you might as not well, you, you know, that, that's like being brain dead. So open mind, learn and, and pull information in and uh, form your own ideas. Make your own crazy ideas and, and see what you can do with them. I, I, I just wait for somebody to say something completely insane that's 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 totally original and um, and fun and intelligent. And uh, when that happens, it, you know, it's 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 all worth it. Even if it's only if it's only for a little while, you know. Well, Jim Mosley often said that what interested him most about UFOs was not the sightings, but the people. Yes. And there were so many stories about the people. And he got along with a lot of unusual people you would never believe, like Dr. Frank Stranges, who had some crazy contacts with this guy named Valiant Thor. I met Frank being. Stranges, yeah, a year before he died. He, he was a lot of fun. I gave him a copy of a record that he put out in 1967 for that Phenomena 7.7. I had two of them, and I gave him one. Okay, yeah, it, it was fun. But yeah, you're, you're, you mostly said that to me too when I interviewed him because you can't really solve the problem. What you're left with is is the people from his point of view and the people are, are what make it and the people are what's interesting. And, you know, that's another aspect of it too. Yeah, most definitely. Mosley was a, it had a huge effect on a lot of people, including me. Funny about Mosley. I was visiting a bookstore when I was a teenager, Samuel Weiser in New York City. Mm-hmm. This is a famous place where they had books on all subjects, especially the paranormal. And they had lots of closeouts. So I go in the afternoon after school, I'd go over to Samuel Weiser. And I buy a closeout UFO book. Or I noticed one time on the Racks Saucer News. And I bought it. And one time I just wrote a letter. I typed a letter out and mailed it in snail mail to Jim Mosley. And my phone number was listed. Steinberg in Brooklyn, New York. And he calls me and, you know, he knew I was a young person. But over time, we became close friends. And a few years later, my first full-time job was as the managing editor of Saucer News. This is like 1965, 1966. I was earning $5 an hour. 
the minimum wage was like a dollar or a dollar and a quarter. So I was well paid. So imagine the comparison. The minimum wage now is what, $8 an hour or something like that. It'd be yeah. the equivalent of earning $40 an hour. Huh. So I was pretty well paid. Yeah. I didn't realize it until I went into broadcasting and took a massive pay cut. Oh, but broadcasting it, doesn't pay well, not unless you own the station. Well, I don't want to tell you about the dollars and having a network radio show. I mean, between this and the Tech Night Out Live, we have over 40 stations carrying us. Mm, That's a lot. We yeah. should be rolling in money. Ha ha ho ho. <laughs> yeah, by the time you get to the end of that trail, there's there's a bunch of crumbs left. That's kind of what I tried to avoid with going with a, a traditional publisher. So we'll see what happens. Well, the crumbs are they give you a certain number of minutes per hour to run commercials. These are your own commercials. They're not the network commercials for which you are not reimbursed. Whatever you make from those commercials, that's your income. Ah, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of justification in publishing a book yourself. There really yes. is. The reason that it's not up on Amazon yet is because Amazon, what I get in payment from Lulu, which is the print-on-demand right now, is basically six or seven times what I make on Amazon. So in a couple of weeks, um, I will probably put the thing up on Amazon. But for right now, I'm trying to keep it on Lulu. And uh, you know, in subsequent interviews after this with Eugene, after a couple of weeks from now, sometime in the middle of uh, April, I will put it on Amazon because – I will have reached saturation at, at people who will buy it off uh, Lulu, which it's not, you know, I guess it freaks some people out. It's not Amazon, so they don't trust it. But everybody's been getting their books, you know, on time and and they look nice and all that. So generally people are happy with it. It's just that it's it's not it's not a large distributor like Amazon. Amazon's like the elephant in the room. You can't really deny them. So I'm going to deny them for another two weeks and then it's going up on Amazon. Now, Beyond one of the books I wrote, I used an editorial service from Lulu to do the copy editing and such. Yeah. And it was pretty good. They did a really good job. And, you know, I went back and did some further changes because that's in me, but I thought it was really good. So in the next minute or minute and a half, for those who are curious about Greg Bishop and you've listened to him on this episode of the PowerCast and hopefully previously, what can you tell our listeners about It Defies Language to make them want to go out and go right to Lulu and buy a copy before it goes on Amazon and you don't make as much money. <laughs> because I need the money, one. And two, what you said earlier about, you know, what do you see coming up and how do you approach this and all that, that is encoded in the book. I am curious. I want to hear new things from people. I want to deal with ideas that I haven't heard before. I want to... Um, tell you about funny people I've met, weird government people that scared me or inspired me. And there's a couple of chapters on theory and opinion with, with things that I either barely heard or I've heard discussed a little bit. And I wanted to bring them out in the open um, and also and get people talking about them because a lot of this stuff came from a website which has been defunct for a long time now and you can't even access it anymore with a few new things. And the last chapter has to deal with a very a subject close to my heart, which is the alien writing thing, uh, writing and script and and symbols that people say came from angels or aliens or whatever, and what what implications that might have. Um, so basically, it's just it's a kind of a smorgasbord of 
everything I've been into for the almost the entire time I've been writing about this and sort of where my thinking is about it now. There's a couple new essays. There's one called um, UFOs as a Cosmic Art Project Part 2, the co-creation hypothesis, which I was really happy how it came out. And I want people to uh, comment on it and tell me what they think. Where do they find the copy? Go to lulu.com and put in either Greg Bishop or It Defies Language. Or you can go to itdefieslanguage.com. I, I actually got the domain. Um, and there's links there for Lulu and also for, I've got a, a bunch here at home, and I will send them signed copies with whatever they want written in it. That can be dangerous, folks. You can find us on Twitter. Look for The Paracast on Twitter. Look for The Paracast on Twitter, on Facebook. There are two Paracast fan clubs. Don't ask me to explain that. We have a second radio show. Not just a tech show, a second paranormal radio show called After the Paracast, exclusive for those who were members of the Paracast Plus. You get After the Paracast, you get the enhanced version of this show without the network ads, for which we get no money anyway. You also get show transcripts and more. Go to plus.theparacast.com. We look forward to your membership. Greg Bishop. I wish you the best of luck with this new book. Thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks so much for having me on, Gene. Talk to you again soon. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.